Hey, what's going on, SaaS sellers? It's Jesse here, just enjoying a wonderful Tuesday afternoon. I've got an ice cold Topo Chico. If you're not familiar, check out Topo Chico. It's super popular in Texas and around the Southwest. It's, I guess, kind of like LaCroix or some other you know, mineral water, but it comes in a glass bottle. And allegedly it's bottled and distilled, not distilled, but like infused or carbonated in Monterey, Mexico. I don't know if that's true or not. That could be complete bullshit. Um, but anyway, it's really good. It's got kind of a hint of citrus in it. Maybe you can hear the bubbles going here on the microphone. Um, but yeah, sipping a nice cold Topo Chico here on a Tuesday afternoon and wanted to put together another episode actually as a follow-up to the last episode, which if you tuned in was three things I would have done differently in my SaaS sales journey. So I was thinking about it and I thought I probably ought to put together a follow-up to that episode that focuses on some positive things that I did in my SaaS sales career journey uh, that I care to share, uh, things that made me successful or helped me streamline my results uh, faster. So uh, let me share a couple of things that I came up with here. So we'll call this, and I actually couldn't just come up with three. I came up with four and I didn't want to I didn't want to eliminate any of them. I was trying to get it to an even three to make it kind of symmetrical to the last episode, but I, there wasn't a single, you know, of the four that I came up with, I didn't want to nix one of them just for the sake of only having three. So lucky, uh, lucky for you guys, you get to hear four things that I'm really proud of in my SaaS sales career that I'd like to share. So let's dive into it. And, uh, all of these, by the way, are things that are transferable in other industries, but also what's nice about some of these tactics is regardless of the company you're in, the role you're in, the region or territory that you're sell selling in or the product that you have, these skills are really transferable. So I wanna jump into these. So the first one that I put down on my list here is mentorship. I'll pause there with that word. And that means actually two things for me at this point in my career, because I've, I've received some fantastic men, uh, mentorship over the years. And I've also relatively recently started providing mentorship to other sellers that I work with uh, or am connected with. And of course, through the podcast, uh, I'm wide open to, you know, helping folks get plugged into the industry and, replicate, you know, some of the the success that I've been uh, fortunate to experience in my career. So what I want to actually talk about, though, and, and what I'm most proud of is being able to connect with and attract great mentors early on in my career. So uh, it doesn't matter if you're not early on in your career, it's never too late to start looking for mentors. And I do think that this is something that most people have to go and actually look for. Mentors don't necessarily fall out of the sky. I've been very, very fortunate that I've worked with some really fantastic sales leaders, uh, some very fantastic sales contributors, and some really great, sharp business people that for whatever reason, uh, I was just able to kind of hit it off with these people and uh, start a long-term mentor-mentee type relationship. I was probably, uh, I'm probably fortunate because I spent the first 10 years of my software career in Austin. Austin, as you guys all know, if you've read the headlines uh, lately, is this, you know, kind of up and coming. It's, it's, I wouldn't even call it up and coming. It's, it's there, um, but it's a massive tech hub and there is a lot of startups and a lot of top 
sellers in the techni- uh, you know, technology and SaaS space. So I was just really fortunate to be in a city that had that ecosystem. That doesn't mean that it's uh, impossible to get mentors anywhere else. It just might be a little bit, you might get a little less lucky than I was in the sense that uh, you know, you can't just throw a rock and hit five sales mentors in a day. So I'm being a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, but I think that the way to find great mentors, and this is really key in, in career success, and this is going to help you streamline your results, like I said earlier, and it's going to help also create these sort of lifelong friends and coaches that are going to help you be successful. Uh, I don't, I personally don't believe success happens in a vacuum or on its own. I think success is the, the result of building relationships and helping other people and being able to, to then, you know, kind of, you know, in, in helping other people, uh, the byproduct of that help is the, you know, kind of financial success and career success that comes with that. So how do you find a good mentor? There's probably someone in your company right now that you really admire, whether that's a sales leader or a top sales rep, or maybe not even a top sales rep. It doesn't matter. Just someone that you admire, uh, admire their style, and you think it would be cool to to replicate what they've done. Maybe they landed a really big deal or a big account, or maybe they've got some great stories about how they did this or that. Maybe they're leading a big team, or they've grown a startup, or sold a startup, or uh, you know maybe they're creating content or doing something else like that. The key to to finding mentors is is really being reflective first and thinking about what you want to achieve and then looking around you and seeing, is there somebody that's done what I'm trying to do? Uh, is there someone that's made the kind of money I want to make? Is there someone who has the title that I'd love to have sometime? Is there someone who's scaled the type of business that I'd love to scale? At, start asking yourself some of those questions and what you're going to find is mentors start to pop up left and right once you do that. How do you approach a mentor? It's probably not the best practice to go up to someone and say, I want you to be my mentor. Uh, what I've found to be better is, you know, first start to get to know people on a friend level, you know, um, don't, you know, don't have the same halo effect that I mentioned in the last episode for, you know, the people that you work with in your company, kind of treat them like a friend, get to know them on a personal level. If you can, uh, if that doesn't work, offer to help. Can you help them with something? And maybe don't just go and blanketly offer help, but try to really figure out where you can help and be really specific and reach out and say, I think I can help you with this. Would you be willing to meet and learn more or discuss? Could we get coffee sometime? Could we get on a Zoom call sometime and talk about this? So I've found with with my mentors that in a lot of cases, they were either leaders of mine uh, or top performers or reps that I worked with. And that relationship just kind of built naturally. But in some cases, uh, I have a few mentors where I reached out and offered help or some form of value that I could deliver, whatever that was. In one case, that was, uh, you know, some, some side hustling. And I won't go into too much detail on that. This is a while back, but I was, I helped a mentor of mine who, uh, you know, she's kind of an executive coach persona. So she was someone who, uh, you know, greatly helped me improve my present uh, presentation skills, my interviewing skills, and also uh, you know some of those really key skills that you get in sales. And in return, I had a very specific skill set that helped her, which is I'm really good at writing cold emails, and I was really good at helping her get the door open for her business. So there's all kinds of things you can do there 
and you can likely add some value. Maybe you know a foreign language and you can spot an opportunity to help somebody uh, translate something or speak in that foreign language. Maybe there's a skill set or knack that you have that you can offer as value. Um, think about that first and then, uh, you know, look around and, and there's all kinds of mentors to be had. So, uh, mentorship is one of the things that I'm really glad I did pretty early on in my career. I mean, I can, in my first sales job in software, um, I had at least one mentor in that company that was vested in my success. And I'm a firm believer that having mentors and helping other people and kind of building that network is key to your own success because that is a byproduct of helping others. So mentorship. Number two, I invested in myself. And I know you hear this a lot. Every sort of self-help guru talks about investing in yourself. If you're on LinkedIn for more than five minutes, there's probably a handful of gurus out there that would recommend investing in yourself. And it's true. The reason everybody uh, uses that one and the reason I'm, I'm talking about it again today is because it actually works and it's important. You have to invest in, in yourself uh, and I think there's, there's a funny psychology that I've found that as I've, you know, even spent my own money purchasing materials and training and courses on how to be better at my craft, uh, you actually tend to appreciate those resources or you, you appreciate those assets a lot more if they came out of your own pocket. So one really good example is early on in my career when I did not have a lot of spare change, if you will, um, I was in probably my first or second sales job in Austin, uh, had just been, you know, kind of moving up in the world with, uh, a pretty, you know, a pretty sizable rent per month in, in Austin for my apartment and just some, some heavier than normal costs, but still, you know, squeaked together about 1500 bucks at the time. That was a lot of money. Uh, and it was a huge investment and a huge risk to actually invest in a training course that I took. Um, and I won't, I'm not going to share which one it was. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the key is that it was a training course that I stumbled across that I felt like could be valuable and that the, the, you know, curriculum in that course was something that was going to help me level up my game and get better at my craft. And so it was worth that $1,500 investment. I had to put it on a credit card and I'm really, really glad I did that because for a long time, I kind of, you know, ruminated over it and wasn't sure if it was the right move and was worried about putting 1500 bucks on the credit card at that time. But I'm really glad I did that. By no means am I saying that everyone needs to go out and rack up their credit cards on frivolous expenses. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I am saying is you're going to find opportunities to invest in yourself. And regardless of what those costs, you need to think about what the ROI is. And I don't have a number on that ROI. I'm sure I, I'm very, very confident that I've at least paid back the 1500 bucks that I invested in. But I would probably say that that course helped me, you know, 10x or even 20x that at least. So you're going to find opportunities like that. Invest in yourself, invest in your training, even if it means spending your own money. Don't go into debt and do something stupid, um, but uh, you can absolutely invest in yourself and uh, there's tons of opportunities to do that. If you need any suggestions for where you might invest uh, more in yourself, hit me up, jesse at jessewoodbury.com. I can point you towards some resources and look, it, you can even start with a lot of free re resources now. So investing in yourself can also mean time. It doesn't just mean money. Um, but I'm really glad that I did some of those things early on in my career. I invested either in books or training courses 
Um, I invested in coaching wherever I could. Uh, there was a few other things that I did that, um, you know, again, I put my own money into or my own time into that ultimately, you know, resulted in having stronger results and put me on the track that, that I'm on now. So don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Number three, networking and helping people. So something that I'm pretty proud of in my career is the network that I currently have. And I, you know, have a, a pretty strong group of close colleagues that I've worked with. I have a, a pretty nice pool of customers that I've worked with and solved problems for. And then beyond that, I've now built my LinkedIn network up to, to a pretty nice number. Uh, I wouldn't say those are all close connections, of course, on LinkedIn. There's a lot of connections out there that uh, I'm not, you know, on a one-to-one -one basis with at the moment, but I am very proud of that network that I built. And I do think it's a valuable skill for the modern seller to go and build not only a, you know, not only a nice LinkedIn audience and, and, you know, network, but a really strong personal network of confidants that will vouch for you, that will recommend you, that can introduce you to new opportunities, introduce you to customers. And then I also think as you start to, to grow your customer, your personal customer base, even, that, even if that's across a lot of companies, start to sort of build a, a network of customers in your industry that you've helped achieve some results and keep those people close because you just never know when you get a call out of the blue from, from one of those connections with a really good lead and a warm introduction to you know your next massive deal. So it's super important. I think there's uh, you know a tactic and this is from, I'm trying to remember which book it's from, but you can kind of create a dream 100 list and what that is, or a dream 1000, whatever the number is, you can kind of create a list of people in your industry that you want to help. These are key stakeholders. And as you go about helping those people, you sort of grow your footprint and your cloud in your industry. And then it's a lot easier to not just be a you know sales rep, but you are a consultant in your business and people will start to, to swim to you or come to you with their uh, needs. And then the rest is a lot easier. You're not really having to sell anybody. You're just uh, you know posturing yourself as a consultant to them and their business to help drive results. So networking, helping people. I had a huge shift a few years ago where I stopped thinking about sales as a you know, aggressive, I need to get this done and I need to contract sign to how can I help my customers achieve what they're trying to achieve? And in so doing, uh, I'll get the result that I'm looking for as a byproduct. So helping other people and networking is number three. Now, the fourth and final thing, and this is a really interesting one and maybe very controversial, uh, but I kind of stand by the, the approach that I took and that's I made the right moves at the right time in my career. My timing was pretty good overall. I don't have any regrets on not staying too long uh, or not staying long enough at any, at any company that I've been at. And this is going to be key to anyone's success in the SaaS, uh, SaaS sales space or the software selling space is knowing when it's time to call it quits at a company but also knowing when to continue sticking it out when you need to. It's very nuanced. There's no way I'm going to be able to, to, you know, completely cover every situation in this podcast episode. But one thing I will say is that so far I have no regrets and I'm very glad that I made the moves when I did the, the moves that I needed to make when I did. And I'm glad that I stayed around when I did in certain instances. So everything there is situational. Um, but what I'm getting at here is 
you don't want to stay at the wrong company too long. You don't want to sell the wrong product for too long. You don't want to work for the wrong leader for too long either. These are all things you need to think about. And when it's time to go, it's time to go. And if your gut's telling you that you're not progressing in your current role, if you're not being successful or you're not achieving what you're trying to achieve, then it's time to move on and find another job that that works to, to help you achieve your goals. I've met way too many people, not only in this industry, but in a lot of industries that have stuck around just because uh, it was easier to stay put than put themselves out of their comfort zone and leap to a new role. Uh, and so then they end up just sticking it out and it just gets worse and worse over time. They don't hit their goals and then it becomes this sort of vicious self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't want to be that person. Now on the other side of that coin, you also don't want to be the person that has 10 jobs in one year. And I'm being very, uh, you know, I'm exaggerating here. I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being kind of, uh, uh, you know, facetious here, if you will, but you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have a track record of not giving it enough of a shot. And so if, if you're finding yourself six months into a role and feeling like you need to make a move, maybe see if, if there's something that you can address that can buy yourself some more time to further your evaluation. Um, so I'm not an advocate on either extreme, but I do know that I always trusted my gut in the process and I've always left, uh, you know, jobs that weren't, uh, you know, I've left jobs and companies that weren't going to get me where I needed to be at the right time. And I've stuck around at the ones that have taken care of me and helped me uh, achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve for, you know, enough time. So kind of an interesting one. But uh, yeah, item number four is making the right moves at the right times and not being too loyal or disloyal to the role that you're in, but always trusting your instincts and your gut. You'll know when it's the right time to leave. Um, and, and also making sure you give it enough of a shot. I do think, you know, it's probably a good practice to try to stay for at least a year at most companies, um, maybe even 18 months if you can, just to make sure you give it plenty of opportunities to be successful. But if beyond that, you're not getting the investment, uh, the product's not working, you're not getting the, the resources you need or access to the leadership that you need in order to be successful. And if you've tried everything that you can in your own power, uh, to be successful and you're not, you know, that reciprocation is not there from the company, it's probably time to go. So that is item number four is making the right moves at the right time and kind of managing my career accordingly. It hasn't been perfect. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like everything was just a cakewalk in the park and that I, you know, gracefully exited every company I've been at. That's not the case. Um, have I picked the the best, most winning startups on every turn? No, I haven't. Um, I absolutely have not. And I think, you know, if I could add four point item 4.5, we'll call it, you know, item number five is that uh, I've learned everything. I've learned something every, everywhere I've been. And so it's important no matter what happens in your software sales career, whether you're in a great role where you're being super successful or you're at a company that's not doing well or you're not doing well or the product's not working or you're not getting the leads or you're not generating the leads or, or something's broken to where you're not finding success, it's important to learn something either way, right? You got to learn while you're on the top and you got to learn while you're on the bottom. Just always keep learning and iterating and it'll all sort of, uh, you know, come out in the wash as they say. So that, um, you know, that just kind of a side or, you know, a, a, an addition to making the right moves at the right time. 
that would, uh, that's what I'd say is another thing that I'm pretty proud of is, is how I've managed my career. And for the most part, I've left every company in a pretty good spot. Um, I try not to burn bridges kind of back to item number three in that I like to keep a strong network of managers, peers, and customers that I've worked with so that, uh, you know, I've got people that can vouch for me when, when that's needed. So there you have it. Those are four things that I'm really glad that I did in my software selling career that helped put me on the trajectory that I'm on today. These are all things that you can implement right away. Uh, again, kind of as the, the same disclaimer as the, the, the three things that I learned from uh, not doing right in the SaaS sales space, these four things can sometimes take time to, to see the fruits of or the results from, but you can start, implement, uh, start implementing these right away. So there you have it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed listening and uh, look forward to the next episode. Yeah.